What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. Welcome to another episode of Kanzano and Wilner, the podcast, everyone. I am John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Pac12Hotline.com, and I am with my friend and colleague, the great John Canzano, johncanzano.com. And we are here to answer the question for those who asked, which would happen first? Would the Pac-12 sign a media rights deal or would it snow in Portland? And we have our answer. <laughs> What's going on up there? Man, the kids, kids are all excited. You know, it, it's light, light dusting of snow. And uh, the schools were, schools started two hours late because of it. Kids were jacked about that. So, you know, I got up, you know, I'm already starting to work on the stuff that I'm going to write about. And, and uh, the kids are already in the driveway making snowballs. But I got to say, if, if we've got listeners who live in Spokane, where it really snows, or in Chicago, or any city that Denver, any city that gets a fair amount of snow, Salt Lake City, where people know how to drive in the snow, and people know how to deal with the snow, they would laugh at us here in the Pacific Northwest, they'd laugh at what is going on here in the uh, Portland metropolitan area as, you know, it's just a dusting of snow. It's not like we can't go anywhere, but they shut down the bus routes, they delay the schools, kids rejoice. Of course, it throws out all the parents' schedules uh, into uh, into disarray. But, man, uh, if, I, if I could send you a picture of how little snow caused a two-hour delay... Our listeners who live in snow areas would have no respect for uh, for what's going on okay. here. Because do you own galoshes? I my wife is the snow gear lady. When I was okay. a kid, my parents, you know, we grew up in the Bay Area, and we used to go to the snow. Like we'd go to Tahoe, or we'd go, you know, go tubing somewhere. And we didn't have great snow gear. And I look back at pictures my parents had. Like I had blue jeans on, and I'm out in the snow. Like it, I must have been freezing cold i cannot remember having snow boots or gear but my wife she gears them up man she's always in the off season buying this stuff just for this occasion so that the kids can go out in uh, an eighth of an inch of snow as school is delayed and uh, try to build a mini snowman in the yard but it's it's not much and i can tell you like you know once you get on the main streets there is no snow right now but school was delayed wilner well i'm glad you mentioned spokane uh because that is the centerpiece of our conversation today for folks we're going to talk about gonzaga and whether the you know the pac-12 should add gonzaga either for basketball only for all sports should it pass and i think it's a it's a pretty rich topic because it's going to get into a lot more than just you know the quality of gonzaga's basketball program right now right and that's the expansion issue for any school and any conference is is pretty intricate, and I think it's a it's a it's a rich topic. You wrote about it this morning. Um, can you maybe for for the folks who have yet to read your column, maybe a little bit of an overview of your your view of the situation? Yeah, and look, I I think everybody is looking out for their best interest at this point. Whether you're a major athletic department, Power Five conference, you're you have to be looking at the landscape. If you're in the ACC, if you're in the Pac-12, if you're in the Big 12, you get the landscape and, and trying to figure out where you fit in, where you want to be. I, 
I think it's a trickier equation for those who are on the outside looking in, and especially tricky for the college athletic departments that don't have football programs because football drives expansion. Football drives media rights value. We've been trained to think that way. 15 cents on the dollar, 20 cents on the dollar, go to men's basketball, but everything else is essentially being subsidized. So if you're Gonzaga, you have the uh, a sweetheart of a nest in the WCC where you have absolutely made hay. You've won that conference regular season championship 10 years in a row. You have a pretty clear path to the NCAA tournament, even in a down year, if we can call this year a down year for Mark Few's program, they're still looking at being a four seed or, or maybe even better. Like, it just depends how they finish in their last couple of games. So Gonzaga has carved out this beautiful ecosystem for itself. Like, you know, it is an ecosystem within the ecosystem. It, they, they recoup more of the postseason uh, NCAA tournament money than their peers. They have a, a sweetheart deal with ESPN that puts them on ESPN. Game day's coming for a basketball game this weekend. Like, that doesn't happen with any kind of regularity around the Pac-12 footprint. And so I think Gonzaga is sort of trying to figure out where it fits. And there's clearly some interest from the Big 12, as Brett Yormark said on our podcast, that you know he felt like college basketball was undervalued. He was talking uh, not so cryptically about kind of trying to look for some opportunities to enhance that value. And I think Gonzaga knows that whether it's the Big East or the Big 12 or even the Pac-12, if they can create some bidding that goes on between those entities, they may be able to drive their value in media rights to where it makes sense for them to leave the WCC and go to a conference where they can get a little better deal, a little better distribution. But uh, they're in a, you know, is the grass greener conundrum at all times because they have it pretty sweet, Wilner, don't they, in the WCC? They do, but and the grass is greener issue is one that a lot of schools have to deal with. Right, Nebraska thought the grass was greener in the Big Ten. Missouri thought the grass was greener in the in the SEC. Right, USC, UCLA think that's the case in the Big Ten too. That's I mean that is inherent to the decision to try to change conferences, and it doesn't always work out. Uh, I can't you know. Out west, at least, that we haven't we've seen expansion. Pac-12 has expanded, but the the fact that Gonzaga doesn't have a football program definitely changes the equation. And and one of the things that Pac-12 would have to decide: do they want to invite Gonzaga in all sports or just men's basketball? And the Zags have to decide: if we're going somewhere, are we taking everybody? Are Olympic sports too? Or are we going to try to be a basketball only member of you know Big East? Uh, Big 12, Pac-12, and that's an institutional decision, right? It's not It's not just about what's best for Mark Few's program in the next three to five years. It's about what's best for Gonzaga, the institution, and all of the Gonzaga athletes for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, and I'm being told right now that, you know, maybe this is just Gonzaga's initial negotiating point, but they are saying right now that they are not willing to go as a basketball-only entity. They want to bring everything because they, you know, foresee a situation where everything else ends up as kind of an independent. So I think if um, you are a Gonzaga fan, you got the best of both worlds here. They only leave if they get a no-brainer situation that makes sense to them. And otherwise, they stay put and they continue to make hay 
in the WCC. And so I, I think the Pac-12's got probably has some bigger things on its plate right now. But, you, you know, you tell me, Wilner, you wrote about Gonzaga. I wrote about Gonzaga. I'm looking around the country. Everybody's writing about Gonzaga right now. And it seems to be that maybe um, there's just, uh, you know, a, sort of a, a meeting of, you know, everybody seeing expansion and everybody thinking, oh, there may be some upside here in, in men's college basketball. I am, I am not convinced that there is a material upside uh, with basketball only. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, be, I'll be proven wrong, but I just think everything is leaning more and more to football. Uh, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, the Zags certainly uh, have got what would be a, you know, a tentpole program. I mean, part of the Pac-12's calculation, too, has got to be acquiring brands, right? You've lost UCLA, you know, one of the, one of the true blue bloods. You got Arizona left, but Gonzaga would be, you know, a foil for Arizona, a second tentpole program, a, a real brand for the con- for a conference that doesn't really have any others on the basketball front for sure. And I think that's, you know, that's what the Pac-12 needs to think about is do you just start acquiring a brand for the sake of getting a brand? Yeah, and it is a brand. And here's the other thing is – does the idea that you'd be playing defense factor into any of this if you're the Pac-12 conference? Because what you don't want is you don't want a brand that is inside of your footprint that you could have had that has had great success in the NCAA tournament end up uh, turning around and ending up at another conference. And so now you've allowed the Big 12 to plant a flag in Spokane that you easily could have had for yourself. Because I think if I'm Gonzaga... It makes more sense for you to be in the Pac-12 conference. The geography makes sense. All the other sports make more sense. If the money's equal, the Pac-12 is where you want to be. And and I think what Gonzaga is going to try to sell as it goes out into the market and kicks the tires is they're going to sell the idea that the NCAA tournament is going to be restructured. There's going to be a new media deal. They're going to look at expanding the tournament. And those, those units that were worth $338,000 in last year's tournament could be worth a multiple of five or six. That's what the industry insiders are predicting, that suddenly that those units that Gonzaga leads the country in in the last five years become, instead of 338000 per year, paid out six years in a row, they now become a million and a half, a million eight, paid out uh, over six years. And so keep an eye on that, because now you start to figure out, hey, maybe basketball should be worth more than 20 cents on the dollar if that's if that's the payout. That could be. I, I, I will go on the record here saying I would be shocked if Gonzaga ends up in the Big 12, right? I think there's, there's a lot of posturing going on. To me, that makes zero sense. What, what are they going to do with their Olympic sports, right? They're not going to take the Olympic sports into the Big 12 and send, send those teams to, to Ames and Waco and Orlando and Cincinnati. So you can't put you can't put men's basketball in the Big 12. I mean, over and above all the problem the travel problems that would come with that and then put your Olympic sports as an independent or in the Big Sky because you got then you've got a huge equity problem on campus. And as an institution, I cannot imagine Gonzaga would be willing to do that and basically say to all those Olympic sports, you're second class because that's what would happen. They could maybe keep them in the WCC, but I would bet the 
the West Coast Conference would charge Gonzaga a price for for keeping the Olympic sports. So to me, that makes that's the piece of it that doesn't make sense with the Big Twelve at all. I I would be shocked if they end up in the Big Twelve. I think that's all uh, that that's going nowhere. Their options to me are staying where they are. Uh, the Big East, in some ways, makes more sense institutionally, but then you've got a, a ge- geography problem there, right? Because of I think Creighton is the furthest west, um, so there's a problem. And I don't know if the Pac-12 is interested. I, I think the overwhelming uh, odds are that Gonzaga stays exactly where it is because it doesn't have a good option. Yeah, and I, look, keep an eye. Gloria Navarez, the former WCC commissioner, has moved on to the Mountain West Conference. Now, remember, Gonzaga used the Mountain West Conference last time around to get a better deal out of the WCC. They got some scheduling, some favorable scheduling things, so they were allowed to play some marquee games and uh, have a direct relationship with ESPN, and they negotiated a better uh, settlement at the end of the season with those postseason you know, NCAA tournament units. So they used the Mountain West last time around. I, I wonder if they would talk to the Mountain West Conference again. I wonder if they just want to talk to the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to try to get a better deal out of the WCC. If so, good for them. That's the name of the game, right? Right now, everybody should be looking out for their best interests. I agree with you on the Big East, too, because it was interesting. I was talking to Dan Dickow this morning, and, you know, I asked him, how do you feel about this? You know, he's Gonzaga through and through, and he said that he he loves the WCC. He, He thinks they've done really well there. Same thing that Mark View's saying and you're saying and everybody else is saying. But he says, you know, the Big East, they fit because you've got basketball-only schools there already. And if the Big East could create a Western division and have Gonzaga be kind of the tent pole of that in the West, now all of a sudden maybe you have something. And maybe they, you know, maybe the Big East goes after some others like St. Mary's and, and some other schools. And maybe they add Boise State. I don't know. But uh, it's it's just interesting because I tend to agree with you. I think there's part of the Gonzaga story they don't like to be left behind, and I don't blame them. So I think they're getting out there, they're exploring, they've con- you know, they've hired a consulting firm to do some of this back-channeling for them, but I think you're right. I think in the end, what they might really be after here is just to kind of uh, lock down what is a already very favorable uh, deal that they have with the WCC, and unless somebody knocks their socks off with an offer. Yeah, I mean, if you got leverage, you, you might as well use it, right? Especially right now when everything is so unstable across the landscape. But I don't know, you know, I mean, you think about it from the Pac-12's perspective too, right? The the revenue piece, I don't know that Gonzaga is, once you split the, whatever Gonzaga brings in, in terms of either NCAA units or additional TV dollars from the, you know, from a regular season contract, once you split that money 11 ways or 12 ways, I just don't know how there's enough coming in to be worthwhile for the the 10 schools to, to do it, especially Washington. Why would Washington and Washington State want Gonzaga in, in the Pac-12? That one I can't get past. No, they, they, they shouldn't. But if you go back to, you know, something that you wrote about, you know, how do they – vote on expansion, it's a 75% vote. And so I think, I actually think Oregon would oppose it as well, because I think, you know, there, there's, there's, there's this weird relationship that the Ducks have with the Zags in that they, you know, they meet every once in a while. We all say they, they should play regularly. Um, I asked Dana Altman about it. 
He says, well, Gonzaga doesn't want to play us. I ask Gonzaga. They say, well, it doesn't work out because Oregon doesn't want to play us. And in the end, what I feel is that they're fighting over some of the same recruits. And, you know, I kind of look at Tommy Lloyd at Arizona, too, and I go, okay, like, if you're the Pac-12, you kind of have to ask yourself, if you're if you're going to bid for Gonzaga, are you buying them at the top of market value right now? Is Is there only one place for Gonzaga basketball to go from here? In that we've seen them routinely around the Final Four and deep in the in the tournament, um, and it it looks like they they're dealing with life after Tommy Lloyd right now a little bit, but they're still going to be a great seed in the tournament. Well, they are, but that's interesting because you know that to me is part of the broader discussion about expansion. Right, it, expansion is a bet on the future, and that's going to be the case for the Pac-12. Whether with the Gonzaga question with San Diego State. Uh, with SMU and anybody else, right? You're not adding a school for what it's going to bring you in the next year or two. You're adding schools based on what you think they will contribute competitively and financially and institutionally in six years, 10 years, 20 years, right? Because you have to assume if you're adding a school that it's a long haul proposition. And so, when they think about SMU, it's not what is SMU's football program right now and its place in the Dallas market. It's, well, what would SMU be like after five years in the Pac-12? What would San Diego State's football program be like after five years in the Pac-12? What would Gonzaga be like after five years, eight years in the Pac-12? And I'm not sure. I mean, you can make a much better case that San Diego State and SMU have have a lot more upside being in the Pac-12 than Gonzaga does because Gonzaga, like you said, they're already up, right? They've been in the Final Four twice in the last, what, six years or something? I don't know how, you know, what is the upside for Gonzaga down the road? Mark Few is 60 years old. I don't know how long he's going to coach. Maybe five years, maybe 10, but you have to ask yourself, what is Gonzaga in the post-Few era going to look like and is that going to set the conference up to be stronger in the next decade and the decade after that? I think what Gonzaga is aiming for here in this cycle is they're, I think they're looking for bidders. And I think they're, they're kind of working the room going, hey, who's got an auction paddle? Can we get some idea of what our value is? And I think they're trying to get more than one party involved. And that's all you need if you are... Uh, a brand like Gonzaga. And let's face it, the Pac-12 is in a position right now where it's got to replace the brand of UCLA. And that's not easy to do. And, and and while I think San Diego State has done a whole bunch of things right and positioned itself much in the same way that Utah did prior to making that jump, um, you know, the brand of San Diego State isn't quite there yet. Yeah, they've got the stadium. They've added the academic uh, stuff that, that, that the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors love. They got a doctorate program right on campus there. They've really done a great job positioning themselves. Like I think San Diego State deserves like, you know, it, while this is all going on, there was some obvious foresight where they went, "Hey, there's something coming 5 years from now. Let's get the stadium project going. Let's get the let's get the doctorate program going." I think Gonzaga's conversation is much different. I think they're just trying to get some bidders with paddles in the room to figure out does it make sense for them to leave the WCC right now? And if not, I think they just say, we're very happy here. They go back to, and continue to win, and they revisit it in a couple years. But I, So I don't blame them for doing that, but I agree with you. 
I don't think this is a no-brainer, and I think if you're the Pac-12, you're not looking for risk right now. You're not, but don't you think that as a defensive tactic as well, San Diego State and Gonzaga are a little bit different, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it starts with football. The fact that you have a football program, and Gonzaga hasn't played football since 1941, unless they want to bring football back and and fund it on a level that makes them uh, a player in that space. Like this is, you know, they're they're arriving to the party, and you know they 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 have about 20 percent or 30. percent If you're being generous, 30 35 percent of the value of uh, a, a property like San Diego State. Right. And San Diego State is in a, a region that is critical for the Pac-12, for the uh, the school, remaining schools as a recruiting base. Right. I mean, I, the Pac-12 has already gotten the state of Washington covered in that regard. To me, if you're thinking strictly defensive terms, what is it, you know, which is worse, the Big 12 taking San Diego State or the Big 12 taking Gonzaga? Right. I mean, by far, it's it's worse. Big 12 taking San Diego State. So I think that's that's got to be a consideration too. Is Pac-12 thinking, well, if if we don't add Gonzaga, you know, what's the worst that, thing that can happen? It is much worse if 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 they don't add San Diego State. Yeah, look, it's it, the Pac-12 right now feels like they're lukewarm on getting involved here. But I kind of want to see. I'm just curious myself to see, you know, what kinds of deals can Gonzaga. Uh, manufacture in this market you know what are they worth and you know does the big 12 being part of that discussion does it get interesting for them or is it a no-brainer for them to sit tight in this cycle revisit in five to seven years um, you know as you mentioned fuse age at 60 that's not old by any stretch but you know I could see eight years from now Gonzaga being a program that is under different leadership Right. And you wonder about that piece, too. Like, I've thought this through. The obvious pick would be Tommy Lloyd, right? Well, I mean, Arizona's a pretty darn good good gig in a lot of ways, not just the, the program itself, but in terms of lifestyle. So then you start thinking, you know, if you're serious about adding Gonzaga, you got to think that piece through is the post-few era. And uh, he's done an incredible job. Tommy Lloyd was a big part of uh, of the success and uh, you know, you—I don't think you can bank on on Tommy. Arizona could replace Lloyd easier than Gonzaga can replace Few for sure. Uh, but I don't just because Arizona, I think, could attract. You know, uh, for a lot of reasons, Arizona could attract. Uh, you know, a candidate pool that would allow it to continue its its success in a way that would it would be harder for Gonzaga to attract that candidate pool. Uh, yeah. But I, you got to think all those things through. Expansion is complicated, and it is it, some of it is guesswork. It, and here's the other thing: if you're Gonzaga, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. Like they have gone in my lifetime from a team that most people have never heard of to Cinderella making a Sweet 16 to being the biggest brand in the tournament to not have won a title. Like it's. They're right there, and they've done that in the WCC, and they look like they could continue to do that. So the question is, like, you know, you raised the point in your piece about what's life after Mark Few look like. He's talking about trying to win a national championship. He doesn't need to leave the WCC to do that. They have a clear path to the NCAA tournament every year. And look, they got some opposition from St. Mary's this year, but that's not over yet. And 
they're still in, again, a down year, going to be something like a four seed or better, depending on how the finish the finish to the season goes for them. I think they right. are in great position right where they are, but I also don't blame them for kicking the tires. No, I don't, I don't either a- at all. And you have to think about, you know, all right, they go somewhere else. Are they going to generate the same amount of NCAA units? Because if you go to a, a Pac-12 or Big 12 or Big East, right, they're going to lose more games. And if you lose more games, your seed's lower. So your your first-round opponent's tougher. Your second-round opponent's tougher. And all of a sudden, you know, instead of winning, you know, averaging, what, three, what is it, 3.5 units uh, a year, then you're averaging – Two, two and a half units a year. And so you're not bringing in quite as much money. Your path to the final four is more narrow. I think a few wants, you know, if his goal is to win a national title, he's better off staying where he is. There's no question. I think, too, if they're also thinking about the bridge to their future, to me, I feel better about walking across that bridge if, you know, if you're going to change head coaches at some point and try to continue the excellence that you've enjoyed as Gonzaga basketball in the WCC. Um, I don't think moving to a Power Five conference or, you know, Jimmy jacking around trying to go to the Big East and create some new conference or some new division within a conference, I don't think you want that additional variable. You understand the landscape. They get larger distributions and more TV money than the other programs within the WCC. University of Portland, I believe, has one NCAA tournament unit in the last 20 years. They cannot compete with Gonzaga because they don't have the TV money and they don't have the NCAA tournament money. And so if you're Gonzaga, you're a wounded program and uh, you can be a bully. You can be a big fish in that pond and keep on being a big fish. It's interesting how many WCC programs have fired coaches in the last 15 or 20 years because the presidents and the, you know, the boosters, they all want to be Gonzaga. And it's, you know, it's almost impossible for any of them to ever be Gonzaga because of the unique situation in Spokane. Uh, but the, but the, the conference has churned through so many coaches, some of them good coaches who got run off because they weren't ever attaining a Gonzaga level of success. So in some ways, the Zags have been incredible for the WCC, but they have also cost the schools, you know, because they have set the bar so high, they have cost some of the schools, you know, incremental or annual success in a lot of ways has been lost because they fired coaches in this failed attempt to duplicate Gonzaga's winning. Yeah, and look, uh, I heard that, a number of times at the University of Portland, they would say, "Oh, great example! We want to be the next Gonzaga." And they would cycle. They have cycled from Michael Holton to Eric Reveno to uh, you know Terry Porter now to uh, Shantae Leggins, who I think is a really good coach. And you know he's got him at least stabilized. And in a good year, I think they can rise up and be a top four, top five program in the conference. But they do not have the inherent advantages, the momentum, the structure that Gonzaga has set up, and I think for that reason, I think they're they're uh, well positioned. Uh, give me, let me ask you this, Wilner, because you know we're talking all around the Gonzaga thing, but I think going off on the periphery is that the Pac-12 is obviously still involved in this media rights discussion, in this negotiation. It's ongoing. It feels like you know I was told they're in the seventh inning. You had the interview with Washington State President uh, Kirk Schultz. It was a fantastic interview. 
in which he kind of set the timeline for mid-March, having something to talk about. We've all kind of settled on that as kind of being when we're going to get news. But can the Pac-12 reasonably kick the tires on Gonzaga while it's trying to figure out how to expand for football, while it's trying to figure out how to negotiate this deal? It feels mildly distracting to me. At the same time, I think they need to do it because you don't want that brand to end up somewhere else without at least taking a look at it. Yeah, I mean, if I were a betting man, and I, I kind of am, uh, I would bet that the Pac-12 has already done the Gonzaga work and a decision has been made, uh, and they probably are not going to add Gonzaga. That's just, that is just my guess. I don't know that for sure, but it feels very late in the process for anything – any other scenario besides that, right? I, I really think it's down to just San Diego State and SMU. So they're either going to add two two schools for all sports uh, or they're not going to add anybody. And I go back and forth on on whether they're going to actually do it or not. And I think it could depend on what they hear back on the, on the media deal, which, yeah, like you said, I, I would imagine, what is it, February 22nd, next three or four weeks – uh, we're going to know what's going on now. They may not have it actually signed and sealed, but I think they will have uh, they will know what their options are. They will have uh, agreed to uh, in principle to a deal or they will be starting over and starting over could be a real problematic for some of those schools. Yeah. And I think if you're the Pac-12, I think they have to have something to talk about the week of the men's conference tournament in Vegas. March 8, 9, 10, 11. I think they have to have, they don't have to have a deal done, but they have to have something to talk about. They need to be able to say, hey, our deal is done in principle. We're ironing out the, the details, but uh, we have our partners and and uh, we feel good about where we are. They have to have some something to talk about. And I think, I thought Schultz signaled that a little bit in your piece, but I, you know, I was told they're in the seventh inning of the negotiation and that was on Friday. So last Friday, seventh inning. But I had so many questions. I'm like, okay, is Harry Carey singing? Are we doing uh, yeah. Take Me Out to the Ballpark? Or is it the middle of the seventh? Is it the beginning of the right. seventh? You know, how well, many and also, Who's also, pitching? What, is that, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean just in terms of the, the media negotiations? Or is that factoring in the expansion piece and also the grant of rights piece? Because once they get their, their bids from the, the media partners – then they got to go to the 10 presidents and 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 try to get everybody to sign. And I'm sure that that will be uh, – I mean I think that the most likely scenario is they're all going to sign. Yeah. But that may not take – that may be more than just like a day or two. So that piece could uh, could you know stretch this thing out. And can they get up there in Las Vegas in what, three weeks and talk about well, we've got our partners, we've got this. Unless the schools have committed to being together, yeah. So I got something it's on complicated. that front. I got something on that front. I, I communicated with one of the university presidents, and I asked about that procedure, and said, "How does that go down? How does that work?" And what I got back was that the executive committee of the Pac-12 CEO group would bring uh, a proposal to the larger group. Uh, you know, so we were talking about Anna Marie Casse at Washington as the chair of that group. Stanford's president and Washington State's president would bring to the larger group, here's the proposal that we're going to vote on. I'm being told that it would be unlikely that they would bring a proposal up to vote that hadn't been roundly discussed 
that everybody wasn't already on board with as far as a grant of rights, meaning, Wilner, that as they're voting to approve the deal that they're going to approve, it's implied that everybody is going to sign that deal. So there would not be a hiccup. Are you hearing something different? No, I think that's right. I mean, they, they don't ever vote on anything unless they know the outcome, right? It's Academics. It's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> higher education, right? Uh, in, a nine-to-one vote is a tie with the university presidents. Uh, they, I think for sure, but I think – but the process of getting to that point where they have the discussion – you know they have the they have the bids in they have the discussion they don't actually take the vote yet but that discussion piece could take a little while and they could end up having to go back to the media partners because a couple of schools are you know are not thrilled with aspects of it so it'll be real interesting to see they're trying to basically land three planes at once there and uh you know there aren't i don't know that there's necessarily three one runways i think that they're going to have to really uh massage the situation if they're going to get it all done uh or get it wrapped up enough to be able to say something publicly in las vegas in three weeks i think they have to have something to talk about and i, I mean you know it's got to have some there's George Klyovkov, the commissioner, cannot sit there on March 8, 9, 10, 11 and say the negotiations ongoing. I have no comment. at No, this you're time. right. He can't do that. He's got to be able to talk about something positive. They have to have something to celebrate and and appear to be appear to have some momentum, because I think at that point, everybody starts to go, what is going on? And I think part of the problem right now, and I'm really disappointed with. You know, some of the media members out there who are just guessing and stabbing in the air and uh, perpetuating, I guess it gets clicks, but perpetuating nonsense on a daily basis. Like, um, it's just exhausting to watch that funnel of news and to see how many people are reading it and then regurgitating it. And so I, I think the Pac-12 has got to take command of the narrative here in the next few weeks. Yeah, the thing that folks should remember is the number of people who actually know what's going on and know the bids or, or you know, the the details of the negotiations and what the bids are going to be like. I mean, there are like you can count on less than two hands. The number of people who really know there's three or four people in the Pac-12. I don't really think that even the executive committee that you referenced earlier, I'm not sure they know all the details. Right. And they're driving the agenda. There's like a couple of people in the conference office who know the details and then a few people from, you know, a handful of networks. So it's they have done uh, and you could argue that they should have been more proactive with the, the narrative publicly, but they have certainly kept this thing incredibly tight to the vest. Yeah. And I think, you know, look, uh, and justifiably so they don't want to lose command of this negotiation. But I think a lot of people out there are filling that silence with wild scenarios and theories and sometimes news that's not even news like in and i i kind of look at it and roll my eyes but i feel bad for a lot of pac-12 fans who are just hopeful that deals are going to get done and that the conference is going to uh put everything back together again and go about business and i really do feel like the 10 existing members of this conference have said from july on i have never heard them waver i've not heard them I've not heard anybody say they're talking to anybody. There's no back channeling going on there. Of course, they're doing their diligence as Gonzaga and everybody else is. But nobody is wobbling here and there's no imminent demise and do dun 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 all of that drama. It's just uh, it's time to get back for uh, for all of us to get back to talking about football and basketball and the stuff on the field. But the Pac-12 has got to help out by getting the deal done. Yeah, no, I agree. 
We'll see, but I, I would I would certainly bet at this point that they will come up with with some kind of deal uh, that enough schools and you referenced eight have eight have to approve. Uh, I would I would bet that they end up getting a deal that eight, at least eight will approve. Uh, give me a prediction for some aspect of the media deal. What what would you you predict for? Any any aspect of it. Give me a prediction. I think in the end, I think the Pac-12 is going to end up somewhere right around where the Big 12 conference is when it comes to that distribution number. And I think they're going to use the Pac-12 networks to get there. Um, I'm still being told that they feel confident that they're going to beat the $31.7 million per year per university distribution. And in order to get there, I think they have to use the Pac-12 networks to get there. So uh, that's my prediction. I also think it's going to be a blend. It's going to be a streamer, and it's going to be ESPN in some form or fashion. I don't think they go all in. How about you? Yeah, no, I would imagine – I would be really surprised if there's no uh, access on, on linear linear TV. So either either broadcast or cable, right? ABC or ESPN essentially. Uh, I think that they could end up selling everything to a streamer, but then there would be a sub-licensing agreement that would allow – uh, you know, whoever buys it all to then license games out. Like, for instance, I, I can't imagine a scenario in which ESPN does not have a Pac-12 game on every Saturday at 7.30 Pacific, right? And that's just that's just one example. I think ESPN is going to end up with, I don't know, 18, 20, 22 games, uh, something like that, which is basically the same percentage that they, they have right now. Uh, there will definitely be some aspect of it that is on uh, cable or broadcast television. There it is. John Wilner, you can read him, pack12hotline.com. I'm John Canzano. You can find my work at johnconzano.com. Grab a free subscription or a paid subscription. Whatever works for you works for me. If it snows in your neighborhood, uh, put your boots <laughs> on and, and go with it. Uh, and also make sure you subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends and family. And we're back next week with another episode of Canzano and Wilner the podcast.